Welcome to Rooting For You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non-experts. I'm Tess, and I know nothing. And I'm Elise, and I know some things. Each week, we'll chat about one gardening topic, and then discuss the effort-reward payoff by asking, is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. Before we get stuck into today's episode, I just want to do a massive shout out to all of our lovely listeners who have gotten in touch with us since we had our little bit of a break from recording. It was a break and then it was a massive tech kerfuffle and it was a whole shambles, but it was so lovely (laughs) to hear everyone's messages when we finally got back. But now we're recording back on schedule, so um, we're good to go. And we're happy to be here. We're happy to be here. (laughs) It has been, yeah, it's been a wild mess, but we are back. And thank you for your love. Last week in our broccoli episode, Elise mentioned that a fabulous companion plant for broccoli is coriander. Now, I understand coriander is divisive. People hate it, think it tastes like soap, but that's not me, nor you, Elise. So that won't be impacting us when it comes to the squeezy juice matrix. We've said it before and we'll say it again, only grow what you're going to eat. But dare I say, those coriander haters haven't even hit play on this episode, so we're good to go. Elise, do you have many coriander haters in your life? I have to admit, I'm not in love with coriander like you are. But <laughs> what, hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, fire. You have coriander in a lot of your recipes. Well, yeah, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do write a lot of recipes. You're blowing my mind here. It's not that I don't like coriander, but if I had to list out of all the herbs, my favorite to my least favorite. It's not that I don't like coriander, but it would be the lowest on the hierarchy. Do you get the soap thing at all? Because it doesn't register for me. I do get the vibe. I can see why people say it. I don't find it soapy though. Gotcha. Yeah. It is like a brilliant detoxer for the body. Like in detox Ah. supplements, they often use coriander. It's called a chelator. So I wonder if people getting soapiness are getting some like instant detox (laughs) situation. (laughs) Interesting. Despite the fact that it's my least favourite herb. I mean, hang on, your least favourite of all herbs. Well, I will say I use less Vietnamese mint, so maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I love basil more, I love parsley more, I love sage more, I love thyme more, I love rosemary more. I mean, I'm sure there's some like. You know, I hate dill, but I know you love dill. Oh, I love dill. (laughs) I would use a lot more coriander than what I would say marjoram or oregano. So look, it gets used. But I'm not in love with it. My mum is in love with it. So that also. Great. Like Southeast Asian food, so good. A little bit on a curry to freshen it up. I am a big coriander fan. Here's the thing about growing coriander that I think keeps me very keen on it, mm-hmm. even though I have now shit canned it as a herb. <laughs> and that is we can eat the leaves, the stems, the roots, and the seeds. Ah. So, sure, there's a lot of crops that we could actually eat all those parts of the plant, but let's be honest, we don't. Mm. But when I make curry paste from scratch, which is not infrequently, I do use coriander roots. Mm -hmm. The fact that I can dig them up and I've got the roots and I've got the stems and then I've got the leaves to put on the curry later. And then coriander seeds, I find a very, very, very versatile spice that I do use a lot in cooking. So, to have one plant that I can get so many uses that I'll actually use, Mm. I think makes it really appealing. Mm. I mean, you like people probably grow it all the time just for the leaves. So if now I can- Oh, definitely, for sure. If I can open up your world to the leaf stems, roots and seeds. Well, there you go. Mm. Okay. So I love it. Elise's uses it, it seems reluctantly. (laughs) 
reluctantly uses it a lot, Tess says. <laughs> I mean, this is blowing my mind. It's not something I ever knew about you. But anyway, look, we live and we learn. We do. Let's start where we always start. Yeah. What are we growing from here? Seed or a seedling? Oh, you were going to ask me whether I've ever grown, the, grown coriander. We, you just oh, asked me before we hit go. <laughs> and then I said, don't tell this me we're going to do it on air. <laughs> well, do you want to talk? Yeah, okay. Well, hit me. What was your experience? So I think I grew it from a seed. Mm-hmm. I think I put it in a pot. Fabulous. I can't remember where I put it, probably part sun, part shade situation. And I think it only lasted a season. Does that all sound that sounds fair? Relatively. Okay. Excellent. Well, I'm going to Did you it enjoy success. harvesting? Did you did you feel it was a success? Yeah, I did. It, I don't think it flourished. I think it just like maintained, mm. if that made sense. Like I think it was a reasonably like big seedling maybe. Okay. Well, let's go through my list okay. and we'll see if there's anything that stands out to you that you may have done wrong. Mm-hmm. The first thing I should say about the coriander is the thing that everyone stuffs up Actually, not everyone stuffs up. Elise stuffs it up, if you've listened to the episode a few weeks ago about my stuff-ups. The thing with coriander is it cannot handle the heat. There would not be a crop more that I can think of that will not stand warm temperatures. Mm. So that's kind of – look, it's annoying because if you want coriander in summer with your Thai curries, you will not be having it. But at the same time, I do have a lot of respect and love for crops that do well in the colder weather because there are a few of them. So that's why we're doing it at this point in the season. Should we talk about, can I tell you about the wind plant? Can I just yeah, jump into that? Yeah, tell us about wind plant. Okay. So because it hates the heat, we want to plant it from uh, mid to late autumn all the way through to early spring. We can plant it. Now, anytime the temperature gets above 20 degrees, we are getting into possible bolting territory, which is not particularly warm. No, but that's not great news for our people north of Victoria. No, it's not. It's one of the few times that being in the colder regions does really well. Coriander can handle frosts. It can handle negative Ah. temperatures. So anyone in the south of Australia and New Zealand, this is your crop. This Mm -hmm. is going to flourish. So the reason I say the 20 temperature, 20 degree temperature thing is just think about in your area, how many months of the year do you have under sitting under 20? Yeah. I mean, it's not like the second it hits 20, the thing's going to bolt, right? But that's like when you start getting into dangerous territory. But what I think the best way to get the most out of your coriander strategically is I want you to plant it mid-autumn, unless your mid-autumn is particularly warm, then wait till late autumn, because then you're going to have it through autumn, through winter, and through the first month or two of spring, depending on how warm spring is. If you plant it early spring, you're not going to have very long before it heats up. So you can grow it then, but to get the most bang for your buck, as soon as it cools down mid-autumn around about, get that in, and then you'll have it for possibly up to six months, Mm -hmm. depending on where you live. So I think the timing with coriander is so important because if you get it wrong, you just get such a short crop that it's not worth it. So that's what I find a lot of people do. So this is why we're doing it right now. Perfect timing. Get it in. Okay, so we're growing it now. What are we growing? A seed or a seedling? I'm happy with either. Okay. Happy with either. Uh, You can... Also, direct sow it or container grow it. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving you the full gamut of options. But if I'm honest, I personally found it a little bit problematic from seed or a little bit less get up and go, (laughs) excuse the saying. Like, I don't know. I just I haven't had the best success with the seedling. So the seeds. I have bought a few seedlings in my time. But look, all intents and purposes, you should be able to do either. They actually don't, coriander doesn't like its roots being disturbed. So on that basis, you'd say you should direct sow it. But then nonetheless, I have this preference for container growing. So I suppose 
I would start by saying you might as well direct sell it from seed because that's the cheapest and the easiest. And if that works for you, brilliant. Mm. But if you do have trouble with it, you're not alone like I am. And honestly, I don't exactly know why. Not like big trouble, right? But it's not like growing rocket from seed. Yeah, okay. Which basically tells our listeners nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You've told me that I shouldn't bother pretty much. Because I don't have an excellent strike rate with yeah. seed, so I'm just probably going to go out and buy a seed at that point. Yeah. I think for me, I would too, especially because one punnet of coriander seedlings is going to be more than enough. For the coriander. six months they're in the ground. Exactly. And coriander is often sold in like the tightest bunch of seedlings I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it's just this whole pot of crammed in. They're actually all individual plants. Mm. So there's a lot of bang for your buck okay. in that punnet. So here's the trick actually with buying coriander seedlings is the bolting issue that we've talked about, which should we, I mean, people listening know what bolting is by now, surely. If you're new to the. <laughs> I mean, we are not in the business of using fancy We are not terms. in the business so of using bolting is where it goes to flower. Like it just starts spurting up and puts all its energy into flower, growing flowers. Yes. Growing seeds instead of. Exactly. And then seeds, puts. flowers? Well, flowers <laughs> that turn into. Gotcha. Yeah turning to seeds. So they're putting all its energy into reproducing and none of its energy into leafy foliage. And depending on if we're in the leafy foliage game, which for most people with coriander, we do want that. So we don't want it to bolt. And I have seen plants that bolt and they have like sometimes a big thing that shoots up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the bolt. It is literally quite self-explanatory in that it (laughs) bolts up. And it happens very, very fast. And with coriander, it gets this really thick woody stem, like a batten almost, Mm. that gets very thick in eating that stem. So, yeah, that's the bolting. So the temperature is the the number one thing that's going to make coriander bolt. But other stresses on a plant, and we've talked about this in our lettuces episode, Mm -hmm. is when things are pot-bound or inconsistent watering. They're the three things, temperatures, pot-bound, inconsistent watering, that will lead plants to get stressed. And when plants get stressed, they go into reproduction mode, not flourishing mode. So the reason I am talking about this right now is when you go to the nursery, if you see some pot that's just chockers with coriander, mm. it's got this massive head of coriander, all these roots sticking out the bo- the bottom, and you buy it thinking, oh, I'm getting some good bang for my buck here, yeah. three bucks for all these plants. Actually, you are not getting good bang for your buck because those plants are already stressed. You're so buying you're, a problem. You're buying a problem. They're already stressed. They're already thinking, shit, we're going to have to reproduce here. So you're increasing the chances of bolting. And given their roots are quite sensitive and we don't want to disturb them, as you know, the more pot-bound the plants are, the more you have to hack at the roots to separate the plants. Oh, it's such an impossible task. It is. So I think with the coriander, you want the actually the least mature punnet you can find that's mm. healthy. Okay. Like don't go buy a shitty one. But like some really – I'm talking seedlings that might only be like three or four centimetres tall. That's all I want. Whatever's the early, like the youngest ones in the nursery, mm-hmm. and I do not want to see any roots poking out the bottom, that's the one to buy. Because someone else has done the hard job of germinating them, but they're quite young, so it'll make your job of planting much easier. So you're looking for jam-packed in the top and roots coming out the bottom? No, you're definitely not looking for that. No, sorry. That's, that's <laughs> what, you're looking for those to avoid. <laughs> that's, in my head, it made sense. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what to not go for. Yeah. <laughs> But the important, what I was trying to say is it's both, it's a visual in the top and the bottom. Yes, exactly. On both ends. Mm -hmm. We don't want some tall, leggy seedlings and we definitely don't want any roots poking out. That is a fabulous tip. That is. And I'm just triggered by, in our How to Plant a Plant episode, you said, you know, when you're buying your 
punnative seedlings to separate them out and be gentle. And I went and got this punnative seedlings and it was quite root brown. And the amount of time I spent mm. trying to like gently tease mm. them apart, which I don't do that anymore. I just rip them. <laughs> just try and be gentle a little bit. <laughs> and you also have a trick of like soaking them in water mm. a little bit to sort of loosen them up. Exactly. Which is a great idea. But mm. the thought of getting a root bound mm-hmm. clump of coriander mm. just does not sound appealing at all yes it is not and actually on this point we should point out to people when you get your pot of coriander you are not going to just dig a hole and put the whole pot in the one hole oh because you also made that mistake season one test mistake <laughs> that is the season one test. <laughs> so i wasn't necessarily telling it for tests but you know newbies <laughs> listening you're going to want to split out the punnet because it will have like no joke 50 coriander plants in it and that's a reminder for any seedling punnet that you're Mm. buying you buy them all jam-packed in together but then you gently tease them apart and you plant them the appropriate spaces apart exactly exactly you can do it like you can put the punnet in and you're going to get like a small crop of coriander but every plant is going to be we can't do it with a punnet of tomatoes no this is true actually (laughs) like with the fruiting crops as discussed we need to give them the space with the coriander when you're there and you're separating it out like reality is you're not going to get every single plant separated and i'm cool with that yeah i think what i do sometimes and tell me this is good or bad mm. but say you get like a clump mm. and if i can split that into like eight of four and then four again yeah i think that's reasonably good and i'm like oh well that's good enough but- for a leafy crop that's perfect. And that's exactly what I do. Like if I had a punnet of basil, parsley, all those kind of mm, things, yeah. I would just rip it into. If it, like my parsley is a perfect example. I just ripped it into like yeah, eight. And exactly. Then- that's brilliant. And for a flower, for, sorry, for a leafing crop, that's great. If you had a tightly packed thing of like broccolini and you did that, you'd end up with like kind of stunting everything. Yeah. But so there's some things to do it with, some things not to. Coriander is a brilliant one just to rip and go. And you're going to lose some of them, but because you got 50 of them, like I'm not sure anyone needs, mm. not sure anyone loves coriander enough to get like Can I tell you plants. what I did with my parsley this year? So I got mm. one punnet and I broke that up into it. It's eight. And then I had a packet of parsley seeds mm. and I just direct, like I just threw them around in the Fabulous. general area. And now I've just got quite an ample bush of parsley. I bet you do. So I don't know what really was the... I mean, I I like to think that the direct sow, the casual throwing seeds around... Who knows? So Tessa's approach to gardening is just like more is more. So I'm going to buy the seedlings and I'm going to plant the seeds in the same spot. This is the overachiever's guide to gardening. I do understand the importance of spacing, particularly Mm. with your fruiting crop. (laughs) It just worked quite well. (laughs) Do as Elise says, not me. I think for, you know, I will tell you, I have done that before because <laughs> I had these, actually I did it with coriander. I had these seeds that I knew were like super old and expired. And I was like, you're probably not going to germinate, but like, let's chuck it in the mm. general vicinity and we'll just see <laughs> what happens. Rooting crops, fruiting crops, do not do this. <laughs> for leafing crops, be my guest. Sure. Okay. Well, that was a massive tangent. It was. We've only covered what we're growing so far. Well, I mean- Look, that's those two points are actually the most important thing. One more thing I'll say is mm-hmm. there is varieties of coriander that are called slow bolting coriander. Now, if you buy from seed, they're often advertised as slow bolting coriander. 
So especially if you live somewhere warm, like maybe go find these seeds. Mm -hmm. When I've bought seedlings, I have never, ever seen it say slow bolting coriander. I've just seen it say coriander. Okay. So I have no idea, frankly, if all that coriander is slow bolting or not. If that is the slow bolting, I'd hate to see the new variety. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's probably just the regular. So if, if the bolting issue is one you really want to avoid, or if you're buying from seed anyway, maybe look out for those mm-hmm. types. So we've got our seed or our seedling. Where are we planting? Full sun is my preference. Okay. Except winter full sun. Winter full sun is my preference, except if you've planted them particularly early or particularly late or you live somewhere quite warm. Okay. So for us in Melbourne, I would say full sun, mid-autumn is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But in the other places, you might want to have some shade either side of the day. This is one of the times where growing it in a pot could be very advantageous because say you wanted to get it started mid-autumn and you're thinking, oh, it's a bit warm still. You could have it in a pot somewhere quite shady and cool. And then as the weather cools down, you could then move that pot into the full winter sun Mm -hmm. and that would get you the perfect coriander. But I would say probably for most people, you are just going to wait until the weather cools down and then plant it in that winter full sun. Okay. What do you think about growing it inside? Like, Can it be a windowsill crop? Well, I've never done it, but given my success with growing basil inside, I think that they're quite similar conditions. I would say yes. Okay. Yeah. Getting adequate winter sun on a windowsill could be a little bit challenging, Mm. but having said that, it will survive part shade. Anyone that's tried it inside, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Okay. Great. Let us know. What do we need to be thinking about in terms of any care? Well, hardly anything, which makes it very appealing. Like I was saying earlier, the watering situation, if it's inconsistently watered, and it dries out, that can create the bolting situation or further along the bolting situation. In mid-autumn through winter and spring, frankly, I can't imagine anyone whose coriander is drying out. The rain will take care of it. So not an issue, but if you're growing it from seed, I would pay particular attention to not stressing those seedlings out when they're young. With lack of watering. With lack of watering, yeah. Yeah, Like if you had it inside on the kitchen bench or whatever. So keep the watering consistent. For 99% of people, I don't think that'll be an issue. There are pretty much no pests and diseases that have any interest in coriander. It's the smell thing. Literally, yeah, yeah, it is. There you go. So brilliant, which is another reason why when we talked about the broccoli, people plant it as a companion plant because of the smell. It keeps pests away from the surrounding plants as well. Oh, I need to get some in. Yeah, you do. Around Tessa's pray broccoli. For, pray for my broccoli. <laughs> but that's another topic, eh? So I do like it from that perspective. But once it's in, I'm going to say there's nothing to do. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone can anyone can manage that one. Fabulous. Yeah. When you're harvesting, mm. so we were talking before about how using the stems as well yes. and, and the roots. Yes. Are you pulling it out from the root or are you trimming it or are you... Harvesting depending on what your use is going to be? Yeah, it just depends what your use is going to be. So if you cut it down from the stem, it will come back Mm -hmm. a couple of times, which is no problem because by the time it's come back a couple of times, the weather's warming up anyway and then it's done. If you're wanting the roots for a recipe, you have to pull it out. Okay. But as discussed earlier with the punnet, you've already got 50-odd plants and you probably planted many of them too close together anyway. So Mm -hmm. you kind of use the using the roots as like a way to thin out your plants. And often a recipe only uses a couple of roots. So yeah, I just pull them out. So you can be pretty ruthless with your cutting back if you need. Like obviously there's no point harvesting it if you don't need it. And it's only a six-month plant. So Mm. it's not like you're cutting it back for it to flourish in the next season. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, if you want coriander seeds, and there are two reasons why you might want these. One, because they're delicious to use in cooking. And two, you can then grow coriander in the future for free. We never really talk about seed saving because I think it's not a beginner gardening thing. But in the in the sense of coriander, this plant wants to go to seed all the goddamn time. <laughs> we might as well like get some advantage from it, right? And given that it is a seed that we eat often, I think it is worth having this little chit-chat. So what you do, the thing bolts and you say, oh, bugger, I've lost my leafy green coriander. But you just leave it. It'll create this big, tall, shooty-uppy in the middle. It'll then create flowers, which will look quite pretty and it'll actually attract beneficial insects to your garden anyway. So we've got more pluses. Then it'll create these seeds, which will look like green, like mini peppercorns kind of. They're unripe seeds. They're not good for eating and they're also not going to germinate. So don't get ahead of yourself and think, oh, we've got seeds here. Peppercorn's quite big. Yeah, like a mini peppercorn. Okay. But like that green ball look. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So you don't want an unripe one. So you leave it there and then the whole flower head is going to dry out, like full crusty snapping type dry out. Once that point comes, then your seeds are sufficiently mature. How long does that dry out? Like that'd be weeks? Yeah, weeks. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I mean, from when it first bolts over a month, Yeah, this whole process, then you kind of like shake the dried flower heads and the seeds will come out. Are they still green? No, they're like that brownie color that looks like the ones you buy yeah okay okay obviously <laughs> yeah well no not obviously because some things we harvest and then we dry them ourselves these will right. look okay okay how you imagine them to look okay. and then you've got two choices you can jar them up to use in your cooking or you can jar them up and then plant them next year and between your cooking and you're planting them mm. there's no difference no interesting yeah if you do that the plant will inevitably drop some coriander seeds just around. I don't hate that because then you're going to have volunteer coriander plants for Mm -hmm. free as well. So that could be an added advantage. Or if you're the kind of person that really hates anything volunteering growing in your garden, then you might not like this idea. You just pick them out. Yeah, just pick them out. Or you just eat them. Micro coriander. That's also very expensive. (laughs) coriander. (laughs) So that's your options. And I quite like that because, yeah, like I said, if the thing's going to go to seed anyway, let's get some benefit. We've spoken about a few times with herbs and preserving them after. So if you're thinking it's coming into mid-spring, it's getting warmer, you're sensing that 20-degree regular temperature happening, harvest them all in one big clump and then what should you do with them? They do not store well. There's no no nice way to say this. They freeze terribly. Ah, okay. So don't do the ice cube. If you did the ice cube in oil, that's your best chance of freezing. Any kind of leaf freezing, no dice. The ice cube in oil one is not bad, but it's also not really how you use. No, use it fresh. Yes, because like the basil and the oil, it's like, oh, stir that through pasta, perfect. But coriander and oil pureed up just doesn't. No. So I don't love that. In the fridge, in a like a Ziploc bag or like a herb saver, you could like a you know like a plastic container type thing. You could get two weeks out of it. Okay. So I think you're making coriander pesto if you've got heaps of it. Mm-hmm. But you might as well get it off the plant because yeah, yeah. Unless you're turning them to seeds. Unless you're turning into seeds. Although even if you were, you could still harvest what was left of the greenery and just leave the shooty oppy. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So the big question: Is the juice worth the squeeze? This is where we look at the effort-reward ratio of today's topic. The categories are Superstar, high effort, high reward. Completing this will make you feel like an absolute rock star. Best on ground, low effort, high reward. 
quick wins and fill-ins, low effort, low reward, and finally, the wooden spoon, high effort, but not much reward. I feel like I've given this herb a very good rap in this little episode. (laughs) What are we thinking for the squeezy juice? I'm thinking that it is, I think it's a quick win. Oh, yeah. I could pay that. Even for somebody who loves coriander, though, I thought you might rate it higher. Oh, okay. Well, let me just talk you through my reasoning and then we can, maybe I, yeah, well, let, we'll let's see what we get to once we can tell mm. you about my reasoning. There's not heaps that's happening in the garden mm. in winter. I mean, we've mm. got like heaps of suggestions for stuff, mm. but this is a great one, I think. I can just see myself putting it around my broccoli that I've already mm-hmm. got in because mm-hmm. I've got a bit of space mm-hmm. around at the moment. So why not do that if they're a good companion plant and mm-hmm. it will has the double benefit of pest control pest control for my mm-hmm. broccoli, which would be great. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be in there forever. It's not taking up heaps of space. I just quite like it from all of mm-hmm. those perspectives. And then if you want to have all your, bro- your coriander, you want to eat it all, great, go for it. But if you don't, it's kind of got dual benefit in the mm-hmm. garden. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's got – and even when you let it go to seed and the beneficial insects it'll bring, like that's another huge benefit. So it's – there's a lot of wins this crop. You know, I'm saying this and I'm like, we've been doing this podcast for two years. Why have I never done a coriander episode when I'm just giving it so many advantages? I think the one drawback that cannot be uh, underestimated is just that tendency to bolt and the limited Mm. time you're going to get. I feel like that is the thing that takes it from being a best on ground to a quick win and fill in. Yeah. Yeah, but there probably wouldn't be many gardens, big or small, because you can. We didn't mention, we didn't go into great detail, but you can plant this in a pot. And you're right, you can just dot it around some of your other more main crops. Mm. So I feel like it is a crop that would be widely applicable to most people's gardens, mm. except maybe people in the tropics. Sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's hovering around that quick win mm. and best on ground for me. It's delicious. I'm going to get it in. Are you actually going to plant it now? Yeah. Okay. Good. Look forward to hearing. <laughs> Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess. Artwork by Lauren Janine. You can find us on Instagram at Rooting for You Pod or email rootingforyou at elisealexandra.com. And remember, we are rooting for you.